0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor. coming come alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. So glad that you guys are back again with me today. Excited to talk to a new friend. I actually got to know Kenrick a little bit over just email and I'm going to get to know him a whole lot more in this conversation and you guys are going to get to sit in on that or listen in on that as well. I'm talking to a new friend, Kenrick Mustard. Kenrick, how's it going, brother? Great. Good, good to deal. be with you. Yeah, good to have you. will not we go ahead and pray and we'll get into it. So, Father, we just thank you for this time. We ask for blessing upon this conversation. I thank you for Kenrick and all you're doing in in his life and family and church. And I'm just excited to get to know him a little bit here as we uh, just have fun talking about you and life and hunting a little bit and, uh, and just all you're doing. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I can't exactly remember what I was doing. Let me get my hat back on here. Can't exactly remember what I was doing, but I got an email from you about, I don't know, four months ago now, three months ago, and you were sitting in a deer blind. And it was so encouraging because you you know you had said that you were hunting as a, a young man and as a child but hadn't for years and I've been listening to stuff that I had been putting out there on on you know getting out and and getting into deer blind or getting in the woods and getting hunting again and uh, and you started so I I that just you know started a email back and forth and here we are but I would love to just get to know a little bit about you so Kendrick why don't you just go ahead and bring me up to speed and everybody listening in. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and then what, what you do. Okay, I'm uh,
1: Kenrick Mustard. I've been married for 13 years. We have six children. We homeschool. Um, my wife stays home, and uh, I work just a stone's throw from the house. I've got a little wood shop. I build furniture as a subcontractor for an Amish furniture company. So I've been working for them for over 20 years now. And uh
0: that's what we do. Phenomenal. Well man, that's great. You get to stay close to home and you know, with that beard, you kind of just could fit if you just get the hat, you could fit right <laughs> in with those Amish guys. Yeah. I had a hat one time. I don't know where it's at now. <laughs> so so you know, that that's a to get we have Amish made um cabinets in our home and you know, they're they're well known for their craftsmanship. And so mm-hmm. how did you get connected with them? And I mean, have you always been a furniture? I mean, is that what you grew up doing, or did you, you know, pick up that trade? How did you get into that? Um, yeah,
1: my my dad's transitioned from dairy farming into to rustic furniture when I was in high school, okay. so I was working with him. And my parents are are part of the Plain Church Plain Brethren, and so okay. they would go back and forth with the Amish a little bit. The Amish would kind of accept them, and so the Amish were looking to hire somebody, and so. I hired a friend of mine, and then he hired me, and and I started working for him that way.
0: Okay. So and been doing that ever since then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very cool. Now we were just talking before we hit record. You're in a part of a German Baptist Church, is that correct? Uh, I grew up in a old German Baptist brother. Old, old German Baptist brother. Say, so what are the distinctives then of that denomination or that uh, uh, of that church? Um, it would be
1: similar to a Mennonite. Uh, um. See, it's changed since I've, you know, I left a number of years ago, but, uh, you know, growing up, we weren't allowed to have radios or tape players or anything like that, you know, they were, we had vehicles, but they're supposed mm-hmm. to be solid colors, and, um, you know, they had a uniform, you're supposed to wear, you know, broad full pants and okay. three-piece suit on Sundays, and, and uh, the women wore head coverings and a uh, certain style of dress.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So, so now what, what uh, church are you part of now? You said you were an elder. What, uh, what church are you at now? It's a, a Baptist church. Okay. So, Very cool. So when you were younger, you weren't listening to, you know, not the podcasts were around or anything, but, yeah. but now the whole new world of technology opened up to you. And so you, you bumped into the podcast. Do you remember how you ended up landing on, on this show?
1: No, I don't. I've, I've tried to remember, but, um, I I don't you know I, I listen to cross Politic and uh Okay. Michael Foster it's going yeah. to be a man. Yeah. so I think there was a connection there.
0: Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've had those guys on. I've had Foster on several times and Toby Sumter on and uh, Gabe as well. Uh I've never had Chocolate Knox on so at some point I'll have to have him on but uh well I, I've always wondered if the you know, because I do the ministry stuff, ministry side of things, and that's the majority of the bulk of the, the content of the show. <laughs> but then I've got this hunting stuff that I've been doing for fun. And my thought process has been, I want to talk about things that I enjoy. And if people also enjoy it, aren't encouraged by it, then that's great. If not, I, I mean, I just enjoy talking about hunting. So I started talking about it. And, and uh, your email was so encouraged, encouraging, Kendrick, because sometimes I feel like well, maybe that's just a waste of time having that side of what I do. But your email... I thought this is so encouraging. So would you just tell me kind of what you laid out in that email about how you got back into, uh, you know, being out there in the woods again? I think it could be an encouragement to people who are listening.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, you know, we lived on a farm when I was little and my dad hunted and my dad grew up hunting. And so I was always, you know, we always grew up with the stories, but uh, we moved off the farm when I was five and he started working on, other farms dairy farms and stuff and they would make him a deal like if you'll milk we'll give you deer and so we always had venison but he didn't go hunting anymore okay and so it's kind of been around and uh you know it's been in the back of my mind my father-in-law has kind of encouraged me to to get into it a little bit and uh, i traded around and ended up with a hunting rifle a few years ago and took it out and played with it a little bit but uh it was watching my boys in the last year or two with their BB guns and just their enthusiasm for for that. And I said to him, it's like, You guys like to actually hunt? Mm-hmm. He, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, well, let's let's check into it and uh bumped into a guy at church, another elder and and was talking to him about it. He's like, Well, I teach a hunter safety. Oh He's wow, like, get you in. And it's like, and, and the 100 safety classes have been so full, it's been hard to get in.
0: Okay.
1: And I told him, it's like, I tried to sign up, but it looks like it's full. He's like, well, just come anyway and, and tell him I sent you. And so we, we showed up, and they're like, do you have the paperwork? I'm like, well, here's our 100, you know, we took the online class, and here's our certificates from that. Uh-huh. But uh, – uh, Glenn just told us to say that Glenn said we could come. And they're like, Oh, well, if Glenn said you could come, then you can come.
0: Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's all about who you know, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: so me and the, the three oldest boys did that one Saturday and, and passed. That was in September, okay. And then, uh, Warren, I got my one year olds climbing up on the table. Oh, nice, and uh, so then we went and talked to my uncle who has some land and and he was able to, and was very excited for us to, to participate in that. And and, uh, so, yeah, through your podcast, kind of putting that in my mind again, bringing it up. I'm just like, you know, really should do that. You know, you saying that, you know, get your sons out and go hunting. Yeah, absolutely. That was instrumental in, in putting that thought in my mind.
0: Well, that's good. So now you're on the backside of this season. Was the season overall, I mean, a success? Is this something you're going to continue to do next year? You're going to be back out there?
1: Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. I I was telling the boys last week. It's
0: like I know it's just March, but I'm already excited about hunting season. That's awesome. Me too. And up there, the deer I guess are ginormous. We've got pretty good sized deer here, but I know the further north you go, there's some pretty big deer. So you're out there in Michigan. You said you're on the western side of Michigan.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep, just eight miles from Lake Michigan.
0: Okay, gotcha. You know, there was, a, I talked to a guy that was up there a while back, and, and there was a famous deer that there's controversy about. It's the Mitch Mitch Rampala buck. And I don't know if you've heard about that story. Have you heard about I, that?
1: I looked it up after you guys talked about it.
0: Okay, you heard, yeah, you heard us talking about it. I don't know if that guy's close to you, uh, uh, Adam Adam Ray. Are, are you You guys in
1: proximity? He be. He's uh, be about an hour and a half away from me.
0: Okay, gotcha. Gotcha, but yeah, th- there's uh I know some big deer up there, so that's that's a pretty cool area. So now, are you gonna branch out a little bit? Or are you gonna keep it with, with just deer? Or are you gonna get into some other hunting as well?
1: Oh, uh, we're we're talking about it. Um, we'd like to do some small game hunting and maybe some turkey hunting someday. That is awesome.
0: Very, that's very cool. Okay, so <clears throat> let's switch gears a little bit. You're also an elder at your church. So how long have you been an, an elder there at the church? Uh, I think two years. Okay, so. How's that going? And before we hear how it's going, what was the process like for you? Was it a pretty um, simple process to become an elder there, or was it a difficult process? What was that like for you?
1: It it was surprisingly simple. (laughs) Okay. uh, I was a deacon uh, for a year, and then the elders said, you know, we would like you to be an elder because of what you've been doing and your giftings and and what they saw in me, so they they wanted me to, ask, asked me to consider it and said, Well, I'm happy to continue as a deacon if, if you'd like.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems
1: like plenty of work for the deacons to do, too. But, but uh, so then they put me on for a, like a one year probationary uh, term. And
0: then this is the last business meeting, and I renewed it for a full. Uh, okay. Position. Okay. So you guys do uh, is it almost like uh, so after that probationary period, do you do term limits? So after however many years you can stay on or rotate off or anything like that?
1: Not really. I mean, I'm not exactly sure because that's in some of the some of the uh, paperwork, but okay. I don't think any of the elders have rotated off, and not in the time I've been there. And we've okay. been there for several years now, six years.
0: Okay. So I'm curious, with your children be- and being in proximity to you, with your work being close to home, how does that work for family life? Are they involved? Are your sons involved in your work as well? And are you guys planning on providing a really a trade or almost an apprenticeship for them? How does that work with you guys? You said you had six kids. I, I love. would love to hear how you're working with your sons and what your plans are. Or are they planning on kind of forging their own way? Or are you helping them, you know, just build something to where when they're 18, 20 years old, they've already got, you know, the skills to, to provide?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah you know, we've been thinking about that, talking about that kind of all along. um I want the boys to be able to know how to do what I do, mm-hmm. and so they work with me some um you know my oldest is twelve, so he'll probably work with me more this summer um, and you know we have a hobby farm, so they dabble in that stuff too um, and uh, i also in the summertime, I also have a small mowing business.
0: And oh okay i told,
1: told my wife it's like i just want to keep that going enough that if the boys really want to take that over when they get to be 16 17 18 they can take that and and just run with it yeah because that's that's a pretty productive business when if you want to grow it and there's a lot of guys around to do that
0: oh yeah absolutely i, I worked before, when I, jordan and i got married i was working for a guy a friend of mine and he's made a life and career out of mowing yards and doing some other landscaping stuff. And there's really good money mm-hmm. in that. You know, when I was younger, I was in high school mowing yards. I, I mowed at one time 14 yards. I had, it was one summer and I had this little zero turn my dad had bought and I drove that thing all around town. So I had my CD player <laughs> in my, in my ears and mm-hmm. I had my zero turn and I had it to where I was driving with my knees. So I was steer, you know, you know, your zero turns, you have your hands right yeah. here. It was a little Dixon. I don't know if you've ever seen these little Dixon, blue Dixon mowers. It was uh-huh. one of the kind of an, an early residential, uh, you know, zero turn mower. And I drove that thing for miles all across town, anywhere <laughs> I could go. And there I was listening to MXPX on my phone or some sort of, you know, Christian music and uh-huh. mowing, mowing yards. But it, it can be, I mean, it, it can be quite lucrative. And especially if you can get some kind of winter gig as well, it's those winter months. Yeah. If, you, if you hammer, you know, mowing hard for six or seven Months out of the year, and then get something a little bit supplemental in the wintertime Guys do really well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. So everybody's right there. Are you? Is your hope that your your children stay close? Are, are they connected to the church? I'm, I'm obviously they're connected to the church. Is your hope that they just stay stay close and hopefully find, you know, people to marry within the church? Is I guess that's kind of everybody's desire. But is that the the hope for you guys as well?
1: Yeah, that is that is our hope. Um, our our churches. Is... There's a lot of older folks. There's not many young families, and so that's you know something that's kind of a somewhat of a concern. Not not too big of a concern at this point. So we're cultivating fellowship with other you know fam, like-minded families that go to different churches. Yeah. To, to have relationships there for the children, but um, you yeah, know yeah our our desires is that our children would stay stay in the area and stay close, and we can build something here as a family.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, so just to ask, I'm just curious. So going back then, multi generational. As you look back in the in the mustard family, your parents, the German Baptists. How long were they in this area? And you know, you left the church there. Was that uh, was that a difficult decision to to leave that family tradition there for you? Was that was that a hard thing for you to do?
1: Well, it wasn't. It's not like we have generations there. My parents joined. Uh, that church when I was 14 okay gotcha. uh, uh, so I my parents uh, I uh, yeah they they kind of were on their own journey you know when I was little we were United Methodists oh really okay yeah and so and so they my dad but my dad's grandparents were Quakers and so he wanted to explore that and that's kind of what got him Researching the Anabaptist groups and and, uh, why we ended up in a couple different brethren churches because they were local. Okay. And so, but uh, leaving that went—I know—it was was surprised a lot of people that it it went as smooth as it did. My dad asked me because he was a minister. um, He asked me to to write out my reasons why I was leaving, Mm -hmm. and with much trepidation, I I kind of wrote that out. And he really surprised me because he was really proud of that. And he'd show it to people. He's like, this is why, you know, the concerns my son has with, you know, our church, what are we going to do about it? You know, Hmm. so it it didn't break fellowship in the family at all.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting because, you know, coming from that Anabaptist background and then you're listening to Cross Politic, you're listening to this show and, (laughs) you know, you're, you're the, so somehow or another you're, you went from a tradition that usually is not that friendly with, you know, reformed confessional people
1: yeah, and,
0: yeah. and listening to, to these shows now. So what was that? I mean, it seems like there's some sort of, the, you know, theological changes for you. Did that coincide with leaving the church there?
1: No. I mean, because that church didn't have a defined theology, They defined okay. practice, you know, that's what they emphasize. Everybody, okay. and they want everybody to live the same way, gotcha. but there's a big, uh, a broad umbrella as far as doctrine, hmm. and so you, you'll have pastor uh, ministers that are very reformed in their periodology. Mm-hmm. And my dad, before we joined there, you know, he was listening to John MacArthur on the radio, and you oh, know, okay. and that was part of our homeschool curriculum. And then I discovered uh, D. Martin Lloyd Jones.
0: Oh man, this this is great.
1: And read through uh, his series, Great Doctrines of the Bible. And that yeah. Was right instrumental in shaping my theology
0: yeah i've got that actually right on my shelf back here Uh um and lloyd jones was 2012 i think it was was the year for me where i really did a deep dive with with martin lloyd jones and i love him I, i you know i think there's a lot of people that uh that do recognize his name at this point but there's just so much there with lloyd jones i wish people would would dive in even more so have yeah. you stuck with him is is that Lloyd jones been uh i mean a continual source of encouragement for you?
1: I haven't read it lately, but uh yeah i I dove into him you know and, and it started with my dad reading at family worship, you know something from his uh, one of his commentaries. It was okay. like it, it was really easy to listen to, you know because it was basically a sermon mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah and so i I read those I read the whole series on ephesians, yeah and oh, man. And, you know, that was just, as a high school student, that was just awesome.
0: So, man, okay, so where did you get your Ephesians series? Because, so it's right here for those that are watching or listening. I'm holding up a a copy of this. Baker has the rights to this. And and these can only be printed in the U.K. You can't Hmm. get them. I've been trying to get Banner of Truth, actually had had tried to work with them to try to get the banner to get the the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust to give the rights of the printing of the Ephesian series to the United States, and they're not releasing those to the United States. It's only printed over there. So how in the world did you get – was it a library somewhere that you found those? Where did you get those?
1: No, I got them – they're soft covers, but I got them through CBD
0: You did? Ago. Man. Yeah. That's that's cool because those are actually pretty tough to get your hands on. And then I collected the Romans ones through like eBay, buying used ones and stuff. Yeah, man, and that, that the Romans series. <laughs> I was using – I was preaching the Romans. It's difficult, though, because – you, you know, he might have 10 sermons on one verse. You're like, man, I can't use this as a commentary. I mean, I can't read these 10 yeah. sermons. You know, it's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, Lloyd-Jones is great. I mean, that's phenomenal. Um, so you've stayed Baptist, but you're listening to uh, Presbyterians. I'm Baptist as well. Uh, what's kind of kept you in the Baptist camp?
1: Hmm. Um, I don't know. I just... I'm st- Still, uh, credo Baptist. I mean, I don't, I just don't see the, the infant baptism thing and, and some of those, you know, like the, the pedo communion
0: stuff, you know. Yeah, right. I just haven't been convinced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you for sure. It's interesting. Lloyd Jones is a little bit, uh, cause he did, he would baptize, uh, what, well, you know, put my quotes here, he would baptize infants, but he was not, uh, Presbyterian. And uh, he's uh he was an interesting guy just because he was so – he couldn't really pin Lloyd-Jones down. I don't know if you've read his works on the Holy Spirit. But it is a little frustrating to me that – uh it's a little frustrating to me that MacArthur leans so heavily on Lloyd-Jones in his book Strange Fire when he talks about the abuses of the Spirit. I'm, I'm with MacArthur. He says some really good things. But Lloyd-Jones, if you read his book Revival or Joy Unspeakable – you're like oh my gosh I don't know if you've read it read those or dove into those but I mean revival. he was definitely not a MacArthurite cessationist.
1: Uh huh. Yeah he was very you know very much looking for revival and, and praying for revival. Yeah
0: very fascinating. Um so you know you're sitting in an elder chair you're an elder at your church you got uh, a large family it's wonderful working near near to home there's so many guys right now that. Are wanting and aiming for what you have—a small hobby farm. Uh, Do you have property as well? Uh, Yeah, just a few acres. Few acres, um, and being able to work at home with your or close to home with your family nearby, a lot of really cool things going for you. Um, So, mainly pastors listening in—not all, but uh, what what do you think? If you could just say something to pastors to encourage them, what what do you think pastors need to hear? Um, by way of encouragement? And, and what would you have to say just to, just as a word of encouragement to us? Boy, that's, that's a good question. I'm putting, um, the, I'm putting you on the spot, brother.
1: Yeah. Oh, just uh, stand on the word, you know, and don't be ashamed of, of the truth of God's word. And uh, I think you'll be surprised at the, the people that, that rally to that and mm-hmm. support you. You know, there's... There's hungry sheep out there that, that want to hear the word and, and will support, you know, the, the preaching of the, the truth of God's word.
0: Hmm. Hey brother, that's a good word. Well, we're coming up on thirty minutes, so I'm gonna throw it back to you and ask you a question. And since you've listened to the show you probably know what's coming. But um Kendrick Mustard, I just wanna hear, man, what so what is it you love Jesus? Uh why do you love Jesus?
1: Oh <clears throat> because of the great mercy that he's
0: shown to me. He loved me first. Amen. That's uh, exactly what I was hoping for, and that's what Matt Williams said the other day. He's like, yeah, because he first loved me, and <laughs>
1: yeah. and
0: uh, yeah. oh, there you go. How to build a tent? Were you able? To, did you get to listen to that show?
1: Yeah, I did.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. I, I appreciate him a lot. He's he's a good dude, and it was long overdue having him on the show. But yeah. uh, anyways, everybody, guys, thanks so much for listening and watching. And uh, Kendrick, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you.